0: Hello and welcome, Nationals fans, to the Dogcast, the podcast that's now sick of all the 69 nice jokes. I'm your host, Blake Finney, the owner of an official Victor Robles Stan account on Twitter. My, uh, one of my favorite prospects <laughs> joining me later on the podcast for his second appearance is Alex Pat from Cubby's crib and climbing the Ivy podcast. But first off, we're going to review the series against Cardinals got off to a fantastic start on Monday on labor day. Uh, but then the Nats kind of had a bit too little, too late offense in the second two games and couldn't quite pull out the victories. Uh Player of the series, you have to go with Bryce Harper, obviously put the team on his back in the first game Hitting the game-tying home run in the ninth and walking it off on the sack fly in uh in the tenth. But overall, five for nine in the series. And interestingly, six walks. The Cardinals were determined and not let Bryce Harper beat them, even though he he did on Monday and he did on several occasions in the series. So some impressive patience going on there. And again, he makes his surge towards uh a much more respectable batting average he's now hitting 251 after a three three for four performance on wednesday night so hopefully he can continue to turn the season around and it caused uh some interesting debates earlier this season when people some people genuinely thought michael a taylor was gonna have a better season and i know the at the time michael a taylor was hitting hot he was hitting somewhere above 300 in that short span And Bryce Harper was hitting around 210 at that time. But the thing with Harper is no matter how deep in a slump he is, he's going to be the better hit. That's why you have to keep getting him in the lineup. And there's no disrespect to Michael Taylor. He is a fantastic defender. He does some things exceptionally well. But just as an overall player, you've got to get Bryce Harper's bat in there. It's it's game-changing, as we saw on Monday. Ryan Zimmerman also had another excellent series, went five for fourteen with five RBI, all those RBI coming in the last couple of games as the Nats tried to rally late. And it was interesting when I was looking at some of the stats from uh, from Ryan Zimmerman with the bases loaded over the last few years. I think uh, Talk Nats posted some of these out, but uh, entering the night, he was just one for nine with three strikeouts and only three RBIs. And in 2016 and 17 it was pretty much the same. It was two for 27, including the postseason. So I think at that point, you're not just putting it down to small sample sizes. You're, um, you're getting a bit concerned about why he was performing so poorly. Perhaps it was something to do with, uh, 2016 when Bryce Harper was having that otherworldly April went to Chicago and they kept walking, uh, walking Harper in front of Zim, and no matter how many bases were open. So, even if it was first and second, the Cubs decided to walk Zimmerman, but obviously flipped the script on Wednesday night when he came up with the big bases loaded uh, three RBI double that Harrison Bader couldn't quite haul in. So hopefully that's kind of the start of the turnaround because obviously you do think of Ryan Zimmerman as one of the better clutch hitters in National, Nationals history. That's just how it is. We also got a taste of Victor Robles in this series. He was called up before Tuesday's game. Scorched a liner that was snagged in the first game, but then on Wednesday, blooped a single. And on Adam Eaton's double into the gap, he kind of had to hold a little bit between first and second. But as soon as it hit the ground, we saw Victor Robles' best tool, his speed, and it was unreal. I never thought I'd see someone that looked like they were going faster than Trey Turner, but on that first to home, given how he had to wait, it looked like he wasn't, even though he was called out at home plate, uh, rightly overturned. And again, that's just a taste of what Robles can do. I'm really looking forward to seeing him take on a more prominent role with three left-handers coming up in the series against Chicago. We could well see Robles get three starts. And I want to see him uh, his defense in center field. That was uh, something that we also got a taste of in spring training and potentially as good, if not slightly better, than Michael A. Taylor in center field, which um, is pretty high praise. Eric Feddy had an interesting Tuesday, went five innings, allowing four runs, but they were all in the second inning. Aside from that, struck out seven in the game. A couple were in that second inning, but he looked in complete control there. And I think the strikeouts are interesting because throughout Eric Feddy's major league career, we've seen him not quite have that put-away pitch to um, to really kind of dominate. Sometimes he's been struggling on two strikes and... Not quite getting there, but this time he, he had it all. The bullpen was sketchy throughout the series on quite a few different occasions. Austin Williams, who impressed in his major league debut, gave up three home runs to the Cardinals um, on Tuesday and kind of helped to put that game out of reach. Carl McGowan gave up a home run in his debut on Wednesday. And Sammy Solis gave up a grand slam to Yadier Molina on Tuesday. That I know some people say oh, if Sammy didn't give up that, then that sort of walked off. You just see Jordan Hicks sooner, and as we saw, 102 mile an hour sinkers are not fun to deal with for hitters. But I think at this point, it is just a lack of options. There's not too much to go to in that regard. When Sean Doolittle's was out, who hopefully will return the series and help ease that burden, but when he's out, it kind of bumps everyone forward. You've got Greg Holland, who's having a fine season, but... If he's your closer, you're trying to piece together Justin Miller um, and maybe even Juan De Suero from that perspective. There really aren't that many bullpen arms left after the that's traded away, the likes of Kinsler, Madsen and Sean Kelly. So uh, I think that's why David Martinez wants to give some of the younger guys an opportunity to actually win a bullpen role for 2019 and give the front office something to think about in terms of who are they going to go out and get to improve that bullpen? Obviously, you've got to be pretty shrewd when it comes to the bullpen. You can't just throw all the money at the world in it. You've got to get some internal contributions. So that's why he wants to see Austin Williams, maybe less so Carl McGowan, who's probably going to be a star down the road. But you also want to see Sammy Solis, Sammy Solis out of options next year. If he keeps failing in these situations, you might have to let him go. So again i i agree with david martinez he's putting some of these inexperienced guys in big spots to give them a chance to impress and so far they just haven't that's pretty much the way the whole season has gone for the nationals so like i said i agree with it i want to see these guys put in these big spots i get austin williams in there maybe austin adams coming up um could be useful as well and I I guess we'll just see. Like I said, you can't load all the money into it. These guys have to come up and perform. That's just the way it is. And there's not a lot Davey Martinez can do when they don't. This is the time to experiment. They're not making the playoffs. So there's nothing to lose here. So joining me now on the podcast for the second time, we didn't scare him off last time, to look ahead to the next series with the Cubs is Covey's crib contributor and Climbing the Ivy podcast co-host, Alex Pat. How are you doing, Alex? I am doing fantastic. How about yourself? Could be better after we uh just missed knocking off the Cardinals, but obviously you're feeling a lot better after Wednesday nights games.
1: yeah, I was really rooting for you guys to uh beat the Cardinals two out of three, but uh hey, I'm glad you won that one game where Bryce Harper tied the game in the ninth inning and then won it. so I guess one is better than none. yeah
0: <laughs> um I guess that's the same for you guys with the Brewers. I guess kinda you didn't get swept from one of your closest rivals.
1: Yeah, because uh, when they won one game, they were guaranteed to be up four games, and getting swept, they'd only be up two games. I would have liked to have been up five, but four is a good number.
0: Yeah, and uh, I guess with the Cardinals, you just kind of want to keep both teams at arm's length. Exactly. So, talking about that uh, Brewer series so far, the Cubs are 82-57, and top the NL Central by four games, as we said. Still the best offense in the National League. Uh, In game one, Christian Yelich, who the Nats got a first-hand look at, destroying their team, uh, legged out a fielder's choice to allow the winning run to score in game one. And then Wade Miley, of all people, uh, we had the Brewers guy on before, uh, talking about how strangely dominant he's been. and He tossed a gem in game two as the Brewers thumped the Cubs 11-1. And then on Wednesday, the Cubs put up a four-spot in the fourth and held off a late rally to win 6-4. And uh, your heart was
1: pumping when the... um, just like the Nats,
0: first two runners reach for the Brewers.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, as soon as Pedro Stroke came on, you know, we've been trusting the guy and we've had to trust the guy because it doesn't look like Brandon Morrow's coming back. He's certainly not going to be back for the National Series. And though strop has been really good, sometimes you can tell one or two pitches off the bat when he's going to be a little wild. So that kind of stresses you out. And unfortunately, there was a leadoff walk and then a hit. And you're like, well, the tying runs on first and the winning runs up and Uh, you know Milwaukee's been getting some late rallies as of late so obviously that really got my mind going like oh no here we go again but uh you know Strope's able to buckle down in these situations as good as anyone as we've had the past four or five years and he was able to uh, get the save yeah
0: he's um I was talking about it before I noted him down as one of the players to watch before the series so I was kind of watching Mm -hmm. the end of the game expecting him to blow the save but since June 27th he had a 190 ERA coming into Wednesday night obviously probably lowered that a bit and a 147 average against like you say locking down that role uh in the absence of Brandon Morrow
1: yeah and you know what I mean he's going to become even a more player to watch against the Nationals because we won't have Brandon Morrow you know he's going to be very pivotal in the series in late games uh the bullpen has worked very hard as of late and it's, it's hard to manage a bullpen when you've had to use them a lot, especially since the Cubs have played so many consecutive games without an off day. They had to go to Atlanta to make up that one game, so they haven't had an off day in weeks. And the way the bullpen's been used, you know, that wears down on you for a while, and Pedro Strope is really kind of, in my opinion, the center of that late-inning bullpen. So, yeah, definitely a guy to watch out for.
0: Yeah, especially with kind of the Nationals, trademark too little too late offense they were several down in both games on tuesday and wednesday and only ended up winning um, losing by one run even they had uh, i think they had they had to bring jordan hicks in after they were i think they were six or seven up going into the ninth so yeah it's like we saw in the the first series uh it's going to be a close one and uh some other names to watch there's some guy named uh daniel murphy
1: how's he been doing Well, uh, I don't know if you know much about the guy, uh, Wink Wink, but he has been great with the bat. I mean, you know all about Daniel Murphy. You know what a professional hitter he is. I mean, the guy, he can go to all fields. He's got power. Uh, He can go from a slappy hitter to a power hitter in the matter of two at-bats. Really good eye at the plate obviously the kink is in there with the glove as you know the glove is not very good but we rented him for a reason and that was to be a bat in the lineup and he's been playing leadoff and he's been effective he had uh, three more hits in the last game against the brewers including a home run and again you saw a little bit of the different ways he approaches he hit for power he hit the home run and then he uh, slaps two singles so you get a little everything from him
0: yeah, I don't like you say, you're not ever going to get a bad hitter in the lineup. He's always going to put a bats in. And um, like you say, you, you want him in there for the bat. The defense is questionable. Um, I, do you always play Javi Baez at shortstop when he's there um, just to kind of compensate for that?
1: Yeah. You know, in my opinion, Javi Baez is a better shortstop than second baseman. I mean, he can play both in great ways, but he's a better shortstop in my opinion. And what we've been doing, and I I actually like the way they've been doing this, you play Murphy the the first seven innings, and then once you hit the late innings, you take him out and you put a defensive replacement. Addison Russell just came back, and you'll probably see this during the National Series. He came in as a defensive replacement uh, today, and I think he may have done it in the first game against the Brewers, but he definitely did it in this last game against the Brewers because Russell has struggled with the bat but you know he's a pretty solid glove so you have the option of switching bias the second and putting Russell at short late in games to you know get Murphy's glove out of there uh so you have options there and Joe Mann no matter who he's had has taken Murphy out late in games and again I think that's the right approach
0: yeah I think um I've written about this before when uh, Murphy was with the Nationals about how in the long term he should probably be a first baseman but The Cubs don't exactly have a bad one in Anthony Rizzo. Scorching hot over the last 30 days, 362 average, 7 home runs, 16 RBIs. He was actually in the leadoff spot before Murphy uh, took that role on.
1: And you know what? When they brought Murphy on, it made everything, in my opinion, kind of right again. Because as good of a job that Rizzo was doing in the leadoff spot, this is a guy that can drive in runs. And when you put him back in the fourth spot that's when he really got hot again. I thought that it all worked out perfectly in that aspect. And Anthony Rizzo, if you look at his numbers, they're Anthony Rizzo numbers. And this is a guy who's been really streaky this year. It's really funny with Anthony Rizzo. He's a very streaky hitter in the regular season, but every regular season when it's all said and done, the numbers are so identical. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. um, I think the, the thing that sticks in out in my mind I was in uh, right field in the Wrigley bleachers for that was it 13 pitch at bat that uh kind of knocked Helotson off his stride in that game yeah. could argue it won the Cubs that game and that's you want that from the leadoff spot, but you also want him to work the middle of the lineup and obviously with the the power that Rizzo's got um
1: you can't exactly do a bad spot
0: in the bad job in the cleanup spot.
1: And that's the nice thing about Rizzo too, is the power is back. He had kind of a power outage for a while, but he is hitting home runs and he's hitting doubles. He is hitting a lot of doubles down the line. And that's something that you really like to see from him. is just driving the ball because he can do a lot of great things when he drives the ball. When he's hitting the ball on the ground, he's often pulling them and they shift on him as you've probably seen. And those ground balls often result in outs, but when he gets the ball in the air, good things happen. His BAPIP throughout much of the season was very, very low, and he was hitting a lot of those ground balls. So balls put in play were obviously not translating in hits, and then he'd hit a few line drives that would also result in outs. But now that he's slugging the ball, you're seeing much better results. And that's really what Rizzo's good at when he's on, is slugging the ball to all fields because he can go opposite field. And you see the power stroke go the other way as well. And you see the way he chokes up on the bat with two strikes. I think his approach there is as good as anybody when it comes to a two-strike hitter in Rizzo.
0: Yeah, you're saying that to one Soto's biggest fan of his two-strike approach. But yeah, um, especially shortening up, like you say, it uh, lends to going the other way, making contact. And that's what brings that batting average up. I like saw sort of 362 in the last 30 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last guy I want to touch on through gritted teeth uh david Bote, even though uh, uh, <laughs> very gritted teeth. um again I, I went there for the chicago series there on sunday night kind of blanked out my memory but uh i did notice he's only hitting 184 over the last 30 days despite two walk-off home runs
1: well yeah i think that there's been a lot of adjustments made to david bode and look here's the thing What he's done with the club has been extraordinary because not only has he come up with some big hits, but he's played great defense, great defense over on the infield. He was due for a slouch because, I mean, you're going to make adjustments to him. They're throwing a lot of high fastballs to him, especially guys that throw in the upper 90s. They've been getting him with the high fastball, and you'll probably see that from a lot of Nationals players when he bats. Um, Now he is kind of readjusting back to a bench role because Chris Bryant is back so you may see him pinch hitting most likely you may see him start a game because it's a four game set you may see him come in for a defensive replacement late in the game if they want to get Daniel Murphy out of there uh, so you'll see him in a less of a starters all this time around but he can definitely still make an impact off the bench
0: yeah uh, I'm not talking about what impact I saw him make off the bench uh, giving up that <laughs> giving up that home run, uh, obviously the Nets have now shipped off Ryan Madsen. Uh, Sean Doolittle could return this series, which will be a, a much-needed boost, but uh, mm-hmm. which Nationals are you looking forward to seeing this series?
1: Well, you mentioned Juan Soto, and I think that's going to be the key guy in this series. As much as I want to say Bryce Harper, you know, Juan Soto, you see what this kid can do, and guys like him have been really good at damaging the Cubs this season, young guys that, you know, just grind their way. So he's definitely someone I'm looking out for. I'm also looking out for uh Ryan Zimmerman as well. Because, you know, this is the first time in what, two years that he's playing late in a season, not going to the postseason. But he's been around such a long time and you just feel like he's going to try to go out as best as possible this season and uh, you know, even as a veteran, really just go out there and compete. So I can't take him for granted. And then lastly, um, I was really uh interested. Well, first I gotta ask, is Adam Meaton healthy or is he not? Uh
0: pretty healthy. He's been getting some of these uh bunt singles that we didn't start to see earlier on in the season.
1: So yeah, I, if he plays a lot in the series, I'm looking out for him as well. He's a very interesting player, and you know, you remember well when they made the trade with the White Sox, and you know, it, it seems like the little time he has played with the Nationals, from what I've seen, he's done some really good things with the bat. You saw a lot of the potential he had with the bat in Chicago. I just think that if you give him a full healthy season, he could do some really productive things with the Nationals. So, you know, I'm curious to see how he closes this series out.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, like you say, with Eaton, when healthy, if you get two full healthy seasons out of him, you've probably won that trade given the performance of the likes of Giolito and Lopez kind of, I know they've turned it around a bit lately, but they haven't been fantastic in the majors.
1: Yeah, they're still working on a lot of things. Uh, Lopez started out pretty good, and then he's you know hit some bumps, which you expect from a, a rookie pitcher. And then with uh, Giolito, it's kind of been the opposite. He started off really bad, but is, he's kind of adjusted his mechanics a little bit, and you're seeing better command. Now, when he was a prospect with the Nationals, I remember his velocity being a lot higher. Now it's in the lower 90s, so there could be an argument that he's trying to just kind of adjust his game to how he throws now, a lot more movement and uh, living on the corners than the velocity. Yeah, he was
0: definitely touching the upper 90s in the national system. So right. I think that's part of the reason why they were willing to make that trade. Um, for me, this series, I'm looking out for, speaking of prospects, uh, Victor Robles, and that's, uh, facing three lefties. I think they have John Lester, Cole Hamels, and then Mike Montgomery in this series. Mm-hmm. So uh, it could be our first prolonged lookers. as uh, Victor Robles as a starter, singled on Wednesday, went first to home, probably running faster than Trey Turner, which was something wow. I never thought I'd ever say. That's hard to do. <laughs> it, it was ridiculous. I think it was, uh, it was Adam Eaton that doubled into the gap and he had to hold because he wasn't sure if the outfielder was going to get it. And he just beat the tag to home. And it was it was quite something to watch.
1: Yeah, and that'll be interesting to see when Lester's on the mound. You know what's funny? In his start against the New York Mets, his last start against the Mets, he was facing uh, Noah Syndergaard. And Lester hit a two-run single off him. He picked off a guy, and he made a great glove snag. And those are things that Lester was never really <laughs> known for doing, as, as you probably know. So he's been kind of killing off the narratives. But I'm curious to see what some of these young speedsters on the Nationals do against Lester. Um, I don't think he's really afraid to throw, uh, like some people say. But, you know, you'll, you'll see how they play against it.
0: Yeah, I think we talked about this last time, that, like you said, he's killing off the narratives. But I don't think he's ever going to be... or I don't think he's ever going to have a good pick off the first oh no
1: no it's going to be very unorthodox very weird um like i said it's not something he's afraid to do but he's never going to be a guy that's going to be picking off guys left and right kyle Hendricks is the guy that picks off guys left and right uh not john lester
0: yeah i think we saw soto get picked off uh twice by kyle Hendricks in the last series which kind of leads us onto our first matchup steven strasburg facing off against kyle Hendricks on thursday at 7 5 p.m Strasburg 7 and 7 with a 409 ERA Kyle Hendricks 11 and ten three seven seven ERA. Uh and I think we've probably talked about it before Hendricks still very good against the Nats 272 ERA in six career starts and we saw in August he was fairly hit a boy in that game uh gave up eight hits but kind of limited the damage to two runs partly because of those uh pickoffs on Soto.
1: Yeah, and Kyle Hendricks in his last two starts he's looked like Kyle Hendricks um knock on wood, the home runs have disappeared because that was his biggest problem in the first half was giving up the home runs. We haven't seen him do that in a while. So, you know, we hope that he can keep that up. The command has looked better. The location has looked better. The movements looked better. And, you know, it's funny. This is a rematch of game one of last year, Strasburg and Hendricks in the NLDS. Um, So we're hoping that Kyle Hendricks can keep up his mojo because we're going to need it for the postseason. We know who our four pitchers are going to be in the postseason, and he's going to be very key in that rotation. I think that it's going to be a real good game, that first one, because, you know, Strasburg is is Steven Strasburg. You know, you don't need to be a huge baseball expert to know how good he is. And then, you know, Kyle Hendricks, he's gone from lowering his ERA to like the fours to what you just said, 377. So, you know, I'm hoping at the end of the year, he's around a 360, 37 ERA after a rough first half, because. It it goes to show that he still has it in him, but he needs to make a few more good starts before October, um, before I fully, fully realize he's back. But so far, I think he's really coming back.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I guess for for you guys with the performance of some of the other pitchers, he's not going into that playoff series trying to be the number one starter. He can kind of settle in as the two or three.
1: Yeah, I'd be fine with him at two because I I still think Lester's the guy to start, number one. He's the postseason master. He's still my guy for that.
0: Yeah. Uh, and Like you said, Strasburg uh, only just come back from the DL, but uh, in his last couple of starts, a pair of six-inning, two-earned run efforts, uh, especially against Milwaukee in his last start. He definitely looked like the old uh, the old Steven Strasburg. Uh, I think it was just the one inning that snowballed on him. So yeah. it, it's definitely going to be a close game. Uh, I think I'm going to give the edge to the Nats. Maybe some home team bias. Which way do you see this one going?
1: Yeah, I see this one. Um, this is going to be a tough one. It's almost even. I'll just go with my bias and go with the Cubs. One run game. It's going to be a close one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Can't disagree with that. Uh, on Friday at 7:05 p.m., got Joe Ross facing off against John Lester. It'll be Joe Ross's first start in the big leagues this season after Tommy John surgery last season and John Lester, 15 and five with a three, five, three RA. It seems that Ryan Zimmerman basically manhandling John Lester in, um, in that start in August has fixed John Lester in his last four starts. He's got a one, five, ERA. So what have you seen him pitching wise? We talked about him putting the narratives to bed, but obviously he's improved recently.
1: Yeah. You know, I just think he's just doing simple adjustments and, pitching like he has. He's been around the game for so long. When he gets in a rut, he knows how to get out of it. He was pitching well in the first half, as everyone knows. He was an all-star. But some of the peripherals were not always there. Um, he had some starts where he didn't look great, but he didn't give up a lot of runs because of defense and shifting and whatnot. So a lot of line drive outs, hard contact for outs. And then you kind of saw the numbers even out a little bit where balls in play were landing more, uh, some more home runs increased uh, with the warmer weather. Uh, So I think it's really just kind of a little bit of adjustment, but I think he's been keeping the ball down in a way better. Um, He has a good cutter and we've seen him get a few more swings and misses on that as of recently and the curveball being located better. So if he can locate on the corners down well again, then I think you'll see more success from John Lester.
0: Yeah, I think uh, like you say, he's got the he's got the track record, and when he's in a funk, he knows how to get out of it. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a, a tough one for the Nats. They have some of their power lefties, Bryce Harper. I wonder if one this might be the first time that one Soto gets a day off since about June, potentially against a, a tough lefty who's on form. And Joe Ross first first start back with the Nats iffy bullpen. It's going to be interesting. He was. Uh, two and one with a two three nine era in his six rehab starts and was kind of lengthening out to five six innings but i think for me it's going to be even if he limits them to one or two runs potentially and pitching at his best the bullpen might have to go deep and i think uh in this one i'm gonna to have to pick the cubs
1: yeah i'll give the cubs slight edge as well though the cubs have strangely struggled against uh some pitchers that you know have been hurt or, or just coming back but um I'm just going to give it to the Cubs for the fact that John Lester, I think will be locked in.
0: Yeah. Can't blame you for that. And uh, it, uh, the, for me, it's just going to be interesting to see Joe Ross back on a mound and getting back in that rotation, who was a sure. rotation staple for 15 and 60. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, obviously the, the marquee matchup on Saturday rather than Sunday night. This time, Max Scherzer against Cole Hamels, a rematch of that. It was a fantastic pitch as Jewel. Uh Mac Scherzer 16 and 6, 228 ERA. Cole Hamels, 9 and 9, 367 ERA. Um, but like I alluded to, it was uh pretty much uh about as good as you could get on that Sunday night baseball game.
1: Oh yeah, I mean you see great pitching matchups on paper, but they don't always translate. That one translated Cole Hamels, you guys are very familiar with him. Uh, everyone knows Stephen Strasburg. The Cubs have seen him numerous times, so everyone's familiar with each other. I think it's going to be another real good game. I think Cole Hamels will pitch well, but this is one just at home. I think the Nationals outduel duel uh, in Strasburg, or, uh, Scherzer, sorry. I think Scherzer out Cole Hamels by one or two runs. Uh, I'm going to give that one of the Nats.
0: I think Scherzer deserves it after the way uh, the bullpen lost that game <laughs> Oh, that
1: had to be brutal for him. That was brutal <laughs> brutal.
0: And that's fans watching.
1: Uh, you know, I was at work when that happened, and I didn't see it. I just saw that the Nationals were up 3-0, and then I'm like, okay, you know, they're not going to win this one. And I get to my car. I'm about to leave for the night. I see Cubs 4, Nationals 3, Bodie Homer to center. I'm like, what?
0: <laughs> what? I think I was just in complete shock because even bases loaded – Three nothing up. You think surely you can get out of it, even if he gives up a couple of runs. With two outs, yeah. I don't know. I, <laughs> I spent the night trying to figure out what happened. And you were at the game, right? Yeah. Where were you sitting? Uh, way behind home plate. They showed uh they showed Bill Murray a few times in the ninth inning. And that really completed my Wrigley Field experience.
1: Yeah. So is that the uh, first time you were at Wrigley Field? Second after they lost on Friday. Uh, (laughs) didn't
0: didn't go on Saturday when they won so I think I'm going to be banned from any Nats games at Wrigley Field now
1: yeah well I I went through a bad stretch of Cubs games where they always lost when I went to Wrigley Field but uh hey you know it's cool that you got to see it and you saw a lot of uh, new Wrigley Field obviously because of all the renovations um you probably sat in some of the newer seats if you were behind home plate so yeah that's cool
0: yeah I definitely enjoyed uh Wrigley Field and I'm not a fan of Phil Hughes for his hot take, but that's a completely different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, on Sunday at 135 Eastern, Eric Feddy faces off against Mike Montgomery. Like I said, not quite the marquee Sunday matchup we had last time. Feddy 1-3 and three with a 6 ERA. Mike Montgomery with a 4-5 and five record, three eight five 8 5 ERA. Uh, I don't have any recent stats about Montgomery, but I think it's one of my favourite ever Major League Baseball tidbits that his first career save was to finish off Game seven in 2016.
1: He will never pitch a more important game or have a more important appearance than that appearance in game seven. It's, it's so funny because we look back, when we traded for him, we traded one of our prospects, Dan Vogelbach, a power-hitting lefty first baseman. And a lot of people are like, you know, that guy's a good prospect. We want to give him up for this unknown bullpen-slash-starter prospect guy. And he ended up getting the most important out in the history of the franchise, but you know, he's been primarily a start of the past few months. Uh, obviously the U. Darvish injury uh, was the main source of that. He was injured for about a week or two because he had shoulder inflammation. He's come back, made two starts. Hasn't looked terribly sharp, not terrible, but I still don't think he's 100%. So it might be a little shaky for him um, in that series finale. So, um, yeah, this is one I'll probably give the Nationals a little edge. Would I be surprised if Montgomery had a good outing? No, but I'm not going to bank on him having a great one right now.
0: Yeah, I think the the teams are going to save their runs up from Saturday for this one. Uh, Eric Fedde known to give up some runs as well. Um, but he, he did improve against the Cardinals. Again, he, he had a very Strasburg-like outing where everything seemed to snowball in one innings where he gave up four runs, but he did have a season-high seven strikeouts and was actually putting hitters away, which I thought was a huge positive. Um, But He's going to have a tough time taming the Cubs offense.
1: Yeah, I think that'll be a high-scoring one. But then again, it's baseball. We could see Strasburg and Cole Hamels get teed off and these two guys just pitch a gem. Baseball's weird like that.
0: Yeah, you can pretty, mu- pretty much nail Max Scherzer to be Cole Hamills for 10-9 and this one to be a 2 nothing game. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think I'll give the edge to the Cubs in this one. I think uh, we're more likely to see Montgomery at least keep his team in the game again. mentioned that's bullpen struggles before. Um, I think that's going to be telling in this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's very capable, and that's what he's done a lot of this year is keep them in the game. He'll give up a lot of base runners. Um He doesn't miss a lot of bats. That's one key thing. He does not miss a lot of bats, but they're going to have to have the uh, defense play some uh, good ball behind him. The defense against the Brewers was really not good. It seemed like everyone, even Baez, was struggling defensively. We saw some very poor defense there, but You know, if you get Russell and Baez in the infield late in the game, then, you know, that could probably help things out for the bullpen. If Daniel Murphy's in the game, you know, early on, which he probably will be, um, you know, single towards him because he doesn't have much range, but he'll make up for it with the bat. And I guess I wanted to ask this. um, What do you think the reaction will be for Daniel Murphy? It should probably be an ovation, right?
0: Yeah, I don't don't think he's going to necessarily get a Gio Gonzalez video montage on the screen but I think uh given his time with Mets, he was pretty popular even if it was only two and a half years so I think uh everyone's going to be on their feet for an ovation at the very least
1: yeah I mean a he killed the Mets and b he was part of two uh teams that went to the postseason so um and he was in the running for the MVP if I remember in 2016 was an all-star so, yeah, I, I would definitely expect him to get some cheers, even though I'm not a Nats fan. I would I would guess he's going to get some cheers.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely not bitter about him missing out to Chris Bryant. I don't think it was by much in 2016 either.
1: No, I think what made the difference with Bryant was uh, probably A, the defense, and um, B, I guess the power numbers maybe. A few more home runs, some more runs driven in. And, you know, you can argue about how value – RBIs are but you know to some of the people making the decisions those still do matter
0: Yeah, Yeah, um, I can't necessarily begrudge it but yeah I was uh, definitely one of Murphy's champions Uh, so (laughs) I think that wraps us up I want to say thanks to Alex for joining us again on the podcast and where can our listeners find you
1: uh, you could find me on Twitter at ShyFanPat1. You could also check out Cubby's Crib for uh, any content that I write there or anybody else if you're just looking for more baseball stuff to write. And, uh, yeah, always keep an eye out on their social media. We're always posting new content, as you would imagine, with Fansided. Perfect. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Have a good one. Again, I want to say thanks to Alex for joining us on the podcast
0: today. Uh, he was great. Again, I'd probably mentioned the uh, – The Cubs series more than I wanted to, but he was a great guest to have on. Remember to check out some of our content on site this week. Tom looked at why one Soto is still the current favorite for NL Rookie of the Year. And I also looked at Wilma Defoe increasing his launch angle to great success lately, where he's ripping plenty of extra base hits, which we hadn't seen of him before. We'd seen him kind of slapping singles. So that's a really interesting read. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Deck. Give us a like on Facebook, District on Debt. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker and Stitcher, and get episodes automatically downloaded when you're ready to listen. The podcast will be back over the weekend. Uh, we've got the NFL, so I think I'm going to try and record it on Saturday. Uh, but we look ahead to the Nationals' final series of the season with the Philadelphia Phillies. So we'll see you then.